Welcome to the Pilot Podcast, where we watch the pilot episodes of TV shows and answer your question, should I watch this? My name is Me Too. And my name is BJ. And this week we watched the HBO fantasy show, His Dark Materials. So stay tuned to find out what animal form Me Too's demon takes. Dog. It would be a dog. What breed? Mm, I don't know. I love my dog, and I don't know what he is. He's just a big lump of love. <laughs> I don't know what he is. <laughs> He's a rescue. Go. We don't That's know. That's what form it would be. A big lump of love. That's my demon. Daemon? Demon? I think they say demon, but it's spelled daemon. Okay. Word. So let's learn a little bit more about the world of his dark material. So this is based on a, a novel series written by Philip Pullman. It's based around a character named Lyra Bellacroix played by Daphne Keene. You might remember her from the Wolverine movie. And we end up seeing her in this alternate world. So it's kind of based on our world, but they change some elements, adding some fantasy elements. But it is based in locations you're familiar with. And the big thing is everyone has a animal companion or familiar that they call demons. And these are actually physical manifestations of their human soul. And so you have like your little animal buddy with you for your entire life. And when you die, your demon disappears. So in this first episode, we're introduced to Lyra as an orphan at Jordan College, where she is in Scholastic Sanctuary. This allows her to be raised rather peacefully, and she doesn't have to deal with some of the restrictions set by the Magisterium, which is kind of the governing power in the world at this time. We also meet her uncle, who's the one who dropped her off at Jordan College, Lord Asriel, and he is exploring the world, trying to figure out mysteries such as an element called the dust, which he's discovered surrounds all adults in the world and is something that the Magisterium doesn't want people discussing. She also has her friend Roger, who is a staff member at the college, but they're really good friends. She has her personal demon, Pantalaemon, or Pan for short, who goes through different forms. So he hasn't actually picked a final form yet. It just depends on what's good for the situation. And she also meets Mrs. Coulter, who she defines herself as not a scholar, but someone who is out to help people in the world, actually wants Lyra to be her assistant. And that kind of sets up Lyra and all the people around her. And one of the big mysteries that that we're introduced to besides this mysterious substance called the dust is a combination of people are trying to hurt Lord Asriel. We don't know why that's happening. There's this gang called the Gobblers who are kidnapping children. So we see another child named Billy who's kidnapped. Roger goes missing. And so we're inclined to believe that the Gobblers took Roger as well. And then Lyra inherits the Alethiometer, this golden looking compass. You might be familiar with a previous rendition of his dark materials with the movie called The Golden Compass. And this is a mysterious object that Lyra needs to keep secret and protect that will also help her on her journey. And I think that sets up all of the mythology for his dark materials and really gets us jump started in this world. What did you think? It's funny that you say jump started because that's exactly what they did with the beginning of this episode. They drop you right into the deep end. So if you're not familiar with his dark materials before you watch this show, I would suggest either looking up the spark notes, which is what I ended up doing halfway through this episode, or I learned later that Entertainment Weekly put out a dictionary of terms to watch his dark materials. And while that may seem like a silly jab, it was completely necessary. If I didn't read the spark notes, 
episodes, I would absolutely not understand what happened in this first episode. It's true. You miss the quick little few sentences that flash <laughs> at the very beginning of the episode to at least explain the demons and the magisterium. Yes, there's a title card at the beginning with some text on it. And if you miss that, it's a wrap. And I missed it. So it was a wrap for me. But once you did a little research on your own, you were able to follow along well. Once I read the spark notes for the book that this is based on, yes. How did you feel about this interpretation of that story? So I never read the novel. So I don't really have much to compare it to except the little bit that I remember from the movie adaptation. But I would say that they do a good job of setting up this fantasy world. I was surprised how well the concept of these animal companions blended in so seamlessly. Yeah. It didn't really stand out that everyone had an animal by their side all the time. And I think the fantasy elements like the dust were not necessarily toned down, but they weren't too strong or too overwhelming. In a post Game of Thrones world, they spent some Game of Thrones style coin on the CGI of the animal companion and just the general setting and production of the show because it's beautiful. And like you said, feels seamless for some pretty wild concepts that we're supposed to accept. And I accepted them comfortably. Mm -hmm. So as someone who is not as readily into fantasy, what were your first impressions of this very rich, dense world? Honestly, it was a little bit of a turnoff to have to read the spark notes. I felt like I was in high school quickly getting a story because I forgot to do some kind of reading. And it's supposed to be my leisure time watching television. So that impression aside, again, I think the show is beautifully shot. I was a little frustrated with how much story they tried to pack into this first episode. It felt like they were both dropping us into the deep end of the pool. So we're supposed to have some knowledge going into this show. But then they also just included so much exposition. So it was painfully obvious to us what was happening. It reminded me of, and it's not as bad as this, but I don't know if you remember the Trapped in the Closet series by R. Kelly, which ugh, we don't have to revisit that, that man or that series. But in the videos, he sings explicitly what's happening. Like mm -hmm. she walks over to the closet, she opens the closet, she finds the person that her husband's cheating on her with, blah, blah, blah. But then he released a version with a commentary. So he is commenting over his singing. So it's two layers of exposition as you also watch people act out the words that he's explicitly in two ways laying out. And I felt like it was almost that level of explanation happening. And Lyra is such a great protagonist. I felt like story was happening to her and around her and not that she was leading it. But I was most curious about her. I wanted to see her be the captain of her story. And I think that hints at something that I'm wondering about in that this is based off of a trilogy and this is an eight episode series already renewed. So I'm wondering how much of the books are they going to try and cram into each season and will they kind of give themselves time to explore Lyra and even have some creative freedom? You mentioned Game of Thrones was a recent book adaptation where for different reasons they branched off from the book. So I wonder if this series will take a chance to kind of explore more about Lyra's personality that maybe isn't covered in the book for the sake of time. I would love to see her take the lead. So I didn't read the books. So she sounds like this great protagonist and this strong character. If you're 
a 12-year-old who basically grows up on your own at this college with all of these stuffy professors who aren't exactly parental figures, then you have to be a little bit of a boss, even in your young age, to succeed up until that point. I'd love to see more of that. What did you think of the characters around Lyra? Because I also think we didn't get a chance to go too in-depth with any of them as well. So the other character I'm most interested in is her uncle, Azrael, played by James McAvoy, a fine, fine man. So aside from him being so gorgeous... I want to know more about his exploring. So like you shared in your helpfully thorough recap, he brings back to the Scholastic Sanctuary his findings from his explorations about dust and about what they originally considered to be the Northern Lights, that there's more to it. So I want to follow him on his journey as well. That's a good point. When we got a glimpse at his adventures, I was thinking that I kind of just want an episode about him exploring this wild world. Wouldn't that be so cool? Like a Bear Grylls fantasy show. Yeah, he could be like a Bear Grylls meets Indiana Jones and yeah. this fantasy world with dust and animals. But we only get a brief clip of that. How do you feel about his relationship with Lyra? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he abandons her there at Jordan College at the start of the episode. It's unclear if she's aware that he is the one who dropped her off. Yeah. Because she seems to be quite fond of her uncle, even though he is clearly hiding things from her to the point where he's even like, look, girl, if you're going to do this, I'm not going to be able to protect you. Take some risk. Good luck. So it's just interesting that he wants to be very independent and family is not a strong element to him, which seems sad because as far as Lyra is concerned, he is her only family and otherwise she's grown up as an orphan. He could have been there for her more or at all, but he's also raising her... Raising is a strong word. (laughs) He is also, in any of the time that they spend together, teaching her to be strong. So there's a scene where she sneaks up on him and catches her and pins her arm behind her back. He said... I'm going to break your arm. And initially, I was concerned at an adult feeling comfortable doing that to a child. But in this world where you can't trust anyone, he's teaching her, keep your head on a swivel. True. That is um, some tough love coming from Asriel. Yeah, that's real. That's why his name's Asriel. (laughs) (laughs) How do you feel about Mrs. Coulter? That's another interesting adult character. What's interesting about her is with the editing of the show, the music her introduction, they're not hiding that she's a suspicious character. Yes, they're pretty explicitly saying, do not trust this smile. Exactly. And while we don't know what she's up to, it really concerns me that she has such a strong interest in Lyra. Because if you're looking for an assistant, like, no offense to Lyra, but is that really going to be your first choice? No, even if I were choosing between child assistants, Lyra wouldn't be my first choice because she's smart, but she's too precocious. I don't need my assistant scaling the roof with a little servant boy when I need her to be reading ancient texts or something. Yeah, you can't just run off to go lie in little tombs whenever you want to. Not my child assistant. So that was worrying. And for the record, for our listeners, neither BJ nor I supports child labor. (laughs) 
but a good internship can't hurt. Yes, paid. Pay your intern. So I, I'm worried about what she's up to. Maybe she knows about the dust. Maybe, I don't know. But I think just like Astriel, maybe she's a little too one note in this first episode. And I just want to see a little more depth to her because if she truly ends up being the villain of this series, I don't want her to be generic evil supervillain. I want her to be a complex, real person. You want some story with that villain. Yeah, I want her backstory. Not a la Maleficent, but a good backstory. I like Maleficent. Actually, I don't know if I like it. I think I left the movie not knowing what it was about. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not sure if I fell asleep or not, but I know I left that theater not sure how I felt about anything. I was like, I don't know that gun to my head. I could tell you what this movie was about. Anyway, do you have any questions that are lingering in your mind about the characters or the storylines after seeing this pilot? I want to know why these kids are being kidnapped. Oh, that that's probably, that's a good question. I think that's the question they want us to come away with. I yeah. wish that they had spent even more time with the Egyptians and the Costas family who also have a child go missing in addition to Lyra's friend going missing because we're made to care about that child. And I care in the general sense that I don't want kids being kidnapped. But I wanted to know more about that family. I want to learn more about the alethiometer. Yes. There are a lot of symbols on there, a lot of gears, a lot going on. And we saw Lyra try and use it at the end of the episode. So I'm curious to see how it's going to help her in the future. And when she figures it out, is it going to be like a the beginning is at the close or whatever the clue was for the golden snitch in Harry Potter? Will it come to life right when she needs it? That could be fun. Probably. It's probably going to be something frustrating, like she's really stuck in a corner and then it's going to start working. Maybe the clue will be putting it in her mouth, like Harry did with the snitch. We'll have to wait and see. Those are both golden magical objects. Mm-hmm. So, me too. Are you ready to rate his dark materials? Yeah. What would you give it, Beach? I would give HBO and BBC One's His Dark Materials would watch again casually. Nice. This show has a lot to teach you if you have not read the books. (laughs) That's an understatement. (laughs) So for me, I'm going to have to take my time because I feel like this pilot was dense and I'm sure this eight episode season is going to be very dense. But I really like the world. I like Lyra. I like what they're setting up. So... I'm willing to invest that time to learn about everything that I need to know in order to follow Lyra's journey. How do you feel? For my fellow listeners who are not fantasy people, I wouldn't recommend this show to you. Because for me, I thought it was so beautiful to watch, but there was just so much. And I don't care enough about fantasy to watch more episodes. But if you like fantasy at all, I would recommend the show to you because it's gorgeous and interesting and James McAvoy is fine. So if you want something pretty to look at, check out this show. And he is pretty. I meant everything. You, you liked the production as well. Gorgeous production. The animals are so cool. At no point do you think, that's kind of weird. They look like they're walking on the surfaces for real. CGI is advancing at a very rapid pace. Almost alarming that they could make it look this real. And then what if they start incorporating deep fakes and it's not even the real actors anymore? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what's next. 
Well, guys, if you want to find some of our other reviews, you can head to our website at thepilotpodcast.com. You can subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review, and consider supporting us at patreon.com slash thepilotpod for exclusive content. You can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at thepilotpod. You can like us on Facebook at thepilotpodcast at the pilot podcast you can send thoughts feelings show suggestions questions feedback what your demon might be bj what would yours be um probably like a penguin Mm, yeah you are very fancy oh can i have a a dinosaur can i have extinct animals oh then i want like something that could eat people okay (laughs) so please send your legitimate demon not defensive Ooh, ones just I also ones want that a represent shark, your spirit but there's some legit you can't have a whole stable of demons <laughs> they can change pan was changing up form they settle into one form so during my childhood it'll start as a tyrannosaurus rex a penguin and a shark y'all please send your legitimate demons <laughs> that sounds weird <laughs> to ask the pilot podcast at gmail.com thanks for listening bye